On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Model 3's 20-inch wheels officially go on sale, a big autopilot update has Tesla owners filled with glee, the Tesla Semi goes out on tour, and much more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey here with you. As always, for Ride the Lightning, it is the Tesla unofficial podcast for March 25th, 2018, surging towards the end of Q1 and that production ramp on Model 3. It's episode number 138. To my left, as usual, the uh, sleeping Daisy the Boxer puppy, and there's plenty to get to this week. I wanted to start with just a quick little mini apology uh, if you do not hear your call this week, if you called in in the, right towards the end of the week, I've had a super crazy week at work. We had the Game Developers Conference in town here in San Francisco, which just uh, tightens up schedules quite a bit, plus uh, two game reviews. Anyway, I'm not making excuses, uh, just saying that uh, I kind of had to lock the, the caller section, the hotline section of the show, a little earlier, about a day earlier than I would like. So if you, did, if you called in, look for your call uh, either next week or possibly on the monthly bonus show on Patreon. Anyway, lots to cover this week. And the first story, just so I wanted to, this one's for me and hopefully some of you as well. But I wanted to kick off with the Model 3's 20-inch wheels. You guys have heard me talk about them. Most of you probably aren't interested in them, and that's perfectly understandable. Uh, logically, they, they don't make a ton of sense. They're... Uh, you know, they're going to be more expensive. They're going to have more expensive tires. They're going to uh, possibly be more susceptible to pothole damage and those kinds of things. But nevertheless, they look so good. I just, if, if only they'd shown the prototype with 19-inch wheels, then I would, that would just be the thing that I aspired to and wanted for my own Model 3. But no, they put 20s on there, and I just love the look of them, and I've been crossing my fingers, hoping for them for a while. You heard me, uh, gosh, a few weeks ago, I guess, uh, confirm them from uh, from something I'd heard from Tesla. But here they are. Uh, but it, it, a bit, the, the way they're out just uh, delivering these, in a sense, is a bit different than I certainly would have expected. But in any case, it is the 20-inch Sport Wheels, a.k.a. the Stiletto Wheels. That's their internal name. Uh, they are here. They're $4,000. And you're thinking, holy goodness, that is a lot of money. And yes, that is a lot of money because that's after delivery, that you can't add them in the design studio as of yet. So they're only in, uh, you order them after the fact through the Tesla web store, and, uh, and then they are delivered to a service center. Let me tell you about these. So they do come with tires for that price, and they come with Michelin Super Sport tires, which are very, very well-liked, super sticky summer tires that evidently just grip the road like, like glue. And as I said, they, they haven't hit the design studio yet. You, can, you can't configure a car with them. But this appearance in the Tesla store would seem to make their appearance in the design studio inevitable. For now, you can only have them shipped to a Tesla service center to be installed there, uh, both and both the, sh the shipping and the installation are included in that $4,000 price. Something else that's included in that $4,000 price are a set of rear upper four links for the rear suspension. Uh, so here's the description on this from the Tesla website. Quote, the Model 3 20-inch Sport Wheel and Michelin Pilot Sport Tire Package provides maximum handling and performance. This package also includes optimized rear upper four links to ensure proper wheel fitment and ride quality. Note that high-performance wheels and tires may affect your range, end quote. Well, uh, Tesla's being a little vague, I guess, to cover themselves there, but they'll, they'll definitely affect range. It's just a question of how much. Since I haven't got my Model 3 just yet, I can't test them myself, but no doubt some intrepid Model 3 owner is going to do so in the not-too-distant future so we can get a, a decent comparison 
uh, to both the 19-inch sport wheels and the 18-inch aero wheels to gather a little bit of data on, on exactly what the 20-inch wheels effect on range will be. Now, interestingly with these, the tires are four identical tires sized at 235, 35, 20. The Alpha prototype that I mentioned a minute ago had wider 275s in the rear, creating a staggered setup on the Alpha prototype. I wonder if possibly the Performance Model 3, whenever it happens to release, is going to have an option for staggered 20s with a wider rear tire. Now, I can tell you now that I heard from a very good source that these were going to be coming in a sonic carbon color. In other words, the same dark gray that the Model S, but not the X, because the X is onyx black, but that same color that the Model S 21-inch turbine wheels are. So uh, I have to say, based on what I heard and who I heard it from, I'm very confident that the sonic carbon versions will be coming pretty soon. It's just a question of whether or not it's going to be standalone, like these, or as an option once the dual motor and or performance cars finally happen. I'm gonna be going for the Sonic Carbon myself because I my favorite Model S look, personally, everybody has their own preference on this, of course, is multi-coat red Model S with those dark gray, now called Sonic Carbon, 21-inch turbines. So uh, there you go, we've got our first official new option for the Model 3. It's just not an option in the design studio. But there it is. It's there for you. If you want them, go get them. They're not cheap. But the one upside, I guess, to paying that much money is at least you'll have the 18 or 19-inch wheels and tires that you ordered your car with uh, separately so that maybe, you know, maybe you'd use those as a winter tire. You put a put a winter tire package on that set. Then you can swap in and out. You can put these 20-inch stilettos, 20-inch sport wheels on in the spring, summer, fall and switch out to your 18 or 19-inch and with winter tires uh, in, in the colder season. Next up this week, some real good news on the autopilot front. Autopilot 2.0 Plus got a big new update. In fact, uh, rather than me tell you about it, here is Matt from New York, a Tesla owner, to give us a report on it. Matt, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Matt from New York. Just wanted to uh, touch base with some information about the uh, newest uh, 10.4 uh, update to the autopilot. Uh, I definitely concur with a lot of people's uh, opinions that the update is uh, greatly improved. However, I did notice uh, one very specific issue that I've run into, uh, and it's occurred a num uh, numerous times on the road. Um, you have, say you're riding in the right lane, uh, and you have an entrance ramp uh, that joins in, and it has some dashed white lines, but those white lines end prior to the end of the entrance ramp. Uh, with the new update, it now sees uh, that area to the right as part of the lane that you're in, and uh, moves over uh, to center itself on what it now considers a, a large, big lane. So that's one, uh, one issue that I have seen that obviously is going to need to be addressed and maybe uh, some information uh, as the maps kind of join into the autopilot uh, equation. Uh, maybe that'll help uh, alleviate that issue. But that is an issue uh, that you could potentially merge into uh, an entrance ramp uh, that I've seen now that it's using those side cameras to help with the autopilot. I love the, uh, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Matt, thank you so much for this hands-on, uh, so to speak, <laughs> report on the big new autopilot update. By all accounts, this is one of the most significant steps forward for Autopilot 2.0 Plus so far. I've been seeing a lot of YouTube videos pop up from people posting it, doing really complicated stuff, relatively speaking, that, that the cars just couldn't do before. And remember that... Almost all of us, almost all of us who are waiting for Model 3s are going to uh, benefit from this from our delivery day onward. We'll hop in our cars, do our autopilot calibration, which, uh, by the way, it's about 50 miles or so. Uh, from people I've talked to, it's anywhere from about 30 to 50 miles 
is what your autopilot camera and sensors need to calibrate when you first get your car before autopilot will actually be available to you. But um, anyway, even even for the folks who already have Teslas, I mean, it's just, it's a win for everybody. It's for those of us that don't have it yet, it's going to be super cool from day one. Like, wow, check this out. This is so great. But for folks who already have Teslas, it's certainly a win for them too, because when they get to try out this update, as it's it's been rolled out to S and X, still as of recording time, waiting for it to roll out to the three. But you know this this update feels like a holiday present that you forgot to unwrap. It's like, oh look, a gift. <laughs> let me let me unwrap this. Oh, it's a, it's a better autopilot. Yay! So I can't wait to try this out for myself. I really am eager to see it in action. It's been cool checking out all the impressions and YouTube videos. So thanks again, Matt, for that call and good stuff on the autopilot front. Now, speaking of software updates, Model 3 will be getting auto high beams as a software update, which was confirmed with a simple yes by Elon on Twitter when someone asked him that very directly. Uh, I And... I've seen this. I've actually used it on on uh, Model S before, and it's super handy. It just knows when it sees a car, it senses a car in the distance in the opposite direction. It just switches the high beams off, goes to low beams, and then uh, when the car is gone and there's nothing else out there, it switches back to high beams. It's super cool. Now, th- this uh, I would say this was completely expected that, that this would happen because the car is obviously capable of it, and it's just a software issue. And I'm certainly... Uh, happy to see it happen because it's it's just going to be another little bit of a safety feature and and very useful for everybody uh next up this week was the uh elon musk compensation package getting approved by tesla shareholders by a very very healthy margin there was really no no debate about this and and it was completely expected you know i'm i'm certainly happy that it's that it's been approved and and a bit relieved too not again not that I was ever really worried but uh, you know not to discount in any way the 37,000 now hard working smart employees at Tesla that that 37,000 figure by the way is new as of this past week but you know in my opinion Elon Musk really is the key to everything that Tesla is doing because Without him leading the way with a singular vision and a Steve Jobs-like reality distortion field effect that he that allows him to will seemingly impossible things into existent, uh, existence, pardon me, I'd be I'd be a bit worried for Tesla's future. Uh, but that future is now secure for about the next decade or so, and Elon Musk should he achieve all of the goals outlined would become uh, wealthy beyond almost literally anyone's wildest dreams. Maybe outside of uh, Jeff Bezos. Maybe he has dreams of becoming as wealthy as Elon could. But in any case, good stuff there. Elon Musk will be leading Tesla for the foreseeable future. Back to Model 3, there was a very slight but not insignificant change to the Model 3 design studio this week, and it wasn't with regard to an option specifically, but more verbiage. And it has to do with all-wheel, with uh, dual motor. Now on dual motor all-wheel drive options, it no longer says, uh, when if you select that or if you're, you're looking at it, it no longer says in there, choice of 220 mile or 310 mile range, i.e., standard range, standard battery, or long-range battery. It now just says, quote, instantly controls traction and torque in all weather conditions. It is a descriptor of what all-wheel drive in a Tesla will do for you. Now, to me, there is only really one conclusion to draw from this, and that is, as I had suspected, that the standard battery is not suddenly going to be available in mid-2018, along with the first dual-motor configurations, which, the way things had been worded before, definitely could lead people to believe that. The way it was phrased on there, it was like, oh, okay, well, uh, I'm going to be able to get either standard battery or long-range battery 
with dual motor in with the you know that that first starts hitting it's due to hit in mid 2018 so that no longer appears to be the case it looks like now that no one is going to be getting a standard battery in any form until at least the end of this year on a related note i hate to i just figure i might as well just get the bad news out of the way uh, in a block uh, not so great news for any listeners of Ride the Lightning out there who have Model 3 reservations and live in right-hand drive territories. Elon replying to someone on Twitter saying, quote, probably mid-next year before we are able to make right-hand drive. Wish it could be sooner. Maybe try a Model S, Model S used or new in the meantime, question mark, used S, is better than a new three, in my opinion, unless you want a smaller car. I suppose that maybe this should have been expected after the North American delays that we've suffered through, but regardless, there you have it. And and I have to say, I, I honestly, I feel bad for folks in right-hand drive territories. You know, it's it just means you're going to have an, an exceptionally long, even an even longer wait than you thought you were going to have. Um, yes, we've, we've actually all been through that, but, but still, you know, it's right-hand drive territory folks are going to end up having a minimum of a three, basically three and a quarter year wait time to get their cars. That is a long, long time. And, you know, it, Hey, it's Elon suggesting a used S, but who who's happy about this? Probably uh, Jaguar, maybe BMW, maybe even Nissan. If they can get their cars into the right-hand drive markets sometime in the second half of this year, then they stand to potentially pick off a few, maybe not even a few, maybe, who knows, maybe even a, a somewhat decent number of, of uh, Tesla Model 3 reservation holders in right-hand drive markets. But uh, nevertheless... Uh, it's all we can do is hurry up and wait, I suppose. The good news, though, I'll just I'll try to throw in a little good news with this is at least one way you can think about it. When the Model 3 does finally arrive in right hand drive territories, you folks should have all of the options available for you to choose from. Like you you almost certainly won't be forced into a single configuration or a very, very limited suite of of options you should have the whole thing the whole kit and caboodle uh, available to you for for no matter what kind of model three you want to configure with with whatever options next up this week the tesla semi truck has been seen making its way across the country it is out there it is rolling it drove to texas not on its own it was driven i guess would be the more appropriate way to say that it was driven to texas this week for what uh, turned out to be an up-close look for Pepsi, the folks at PepsiCo, which, as you remember, Pepsi ordered 100 semi-trucks from Tesla. I mean, I guess when you place what amounts to be about a $17 million order with Tesla, the truck will come to you to, to be shown off rather than you having to go visit it in California. And really, I'll bet you Tesla probably didn't mind the trip because it gave them a chance to put the semi to the test in real world conditions. In fact, I'll bet they learned a lot on the drive. And of course, they still have to drive it back. In fact, uh, it, had, it had actually gone to St. Louis before this for a meet and greet with Budweiser, who had ordered 40 Tesla semis. So the semi prototype getting some serious road time out and about, a lot more road time than, uh, well, definitely than the Roadster prototype so far. Both were unveiled the same night. So, you know, as I've as I've covered on this podcast, the Roadster, next-gen Roadster, has been out down in uh, Southern California there, but not, and they, they trucked it, they, they brought it up here, to Northern California, and it was spotted running around the Fremont test track, but it certainly it certainly hasn't been spotted driving across the country. But good stuff. Cool to see the semi out and about. The last news story I have for you this week before we move on 
to uh, a yet another excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline segment with, uh, I believe I've got 10 phenomenal phone calls queued up with a bunch of great discussion topics thrown in there for those. But finishing up this week on, an, on a very optimistic note, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon, who along with 36 utility companies from across the country, are trying to spin up a movement to get the 200000 vehicle cap on the $7,500 federal EV tax credit removed. They want it gone so that it never ends. It's just always there for Tesla, for GM, for whomever, Nissan, etc. This was a uh, quote from Senator Merkley. As you work to formulate the fiscal year 2018 omnibus spending legislation, we actually, sorry, this is from the utility companies. We write to you in support of the Section 30D electric vehicle tax credit and urge you to modify the credit by eliminating the existing manufacturer cap. The EV credit is essential to foster the rapid adoption and deployment of electric vehicles, which will, uh, pardon me, which in turn will boost our economic and national security and continue to create the next generation of well-paying American jobs. Now, they argue fairly, in my opinion, that it is uh, no less than ironic that two American companies, Tesla and GM, will be the ones most hurt by the phase-out since they are uh, first up. They're on the verge of doing it. Uh, both. I don't know how close GM is, but we, we all know that Tesla is looking, looking to probably trigger that phase-out in... It seems like they're trying to arrange it for Q3. Maybe it's going to be Q2, but it's happening soon. It's They're going to trigger it this year if, it's, if there's still a phase-out in place. Now, I'm obviously in support of this because the playing field will hardly be level between ICEs and EVs, even if every manufacturer had run out of credits to issue. Like if every manufacturer had sold over 200,000 EVs, we're still not looking at a level playing field with all the subsidies on oil uh, and and just the, you know, of course, you've got the, the market. The dealership market has been waging war against Tesla for years. So it's, it's hardly, even if everybody's in the game with electric vehicles, it's still not an even fight between gasoline cars and electric cars. Um, I will say I'm not particularly optimistic that this is going to happen right now. But hey, you've got to start somewhere. Hopefully, Senator Merkley can get enough grassroots momentum behind him in order to win over enough folks in Congress to try and get this done. We can only cross our fingers. Actually, we can do a little more than that. I, I mean, if and when this gets to a point where your voice can really help make a difference, like if there's legislation proposed and there's there's a vote coming up, I'll be sure to use my megaphone that is this podcast to try and get the word out and help do that. So there you go. Good luck to Senator Merkley and the utility companies across the country trying to fight for the cap to be abolished entirely. That wraps it up for the Tesla news this week. Plenty more to come, though, if you'll stick around Right after this, we'll get to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your calls, your questions, discussion topics, etc. Right after this. Real quick, before I get to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, I want to tell you about Evoto. If you happen to find yourself in or around Montreal up in Canada... Well, number one, congrats, you're in Montreal, so you're already in great shape. It's a beautiful city. I've been there a number of times on business. But why not make your trip better to Montreal by getting around town in a Tesla? Evoto is a car rental service inspired by Tesla themselves in both customer service and sustainability. They've got Model S's and X's ready and waiting to rent to you with Model 3s also on the way, and they'll not only bring the Tesla to you and give you unlimited mileage during your rental period, but they plant 10 trees with every rental in partnership with trees.org. 
You can even park your car, your car, securely in their garage while you're out and about in one of their Teslas. Learn more at evoto.ca. That's E-V-O-T-O dot C-A. All right, Ride the Lightning hotline time. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. Uh, we're going to kick it off with Mike from Lafayette, Indiana in a second in regards to the MCU. That would be the uh, control unit processor that's uh, been upgraded in the S and the X. But first, I remind you, of course, you can call into the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, day or night. It's uh, one of a couple ways, either the toll-free number, which I'll give you in a second, or just record something on your smartphone. Use the built-in voice memo, voice recorder software in your smartphone and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or dial that toll-free 1-888 number and leave a message anytime, day or night. It is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know somebody special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. I mentioned Mike from Lafayette calling in about that MCU. Let's hear it, Mike. Hey, Ryan. This is Mike from Lafayette, Indiana. And I just wanted to call and follow up your conversation regarding the new hardware on the Model S and X, the new zippy touchscreen display. And if Tesla would allow um, older Model S and X owners to upgrade their screens to match that, what that might cost. And I actually was listening to that segment of your podcast while I was on my way to pick up my Model S. Um, And so it was in for the 25,000 mile service. And I used that opportunity to talk to the, the service guy there in Indianapolis um, he's a, they're, 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 all of them are just very great to uh, work with and go out of their way to answer any questions that, that, that you have. Anyway, he said that he looked it up on his computer, the average, and um, there are specific versions of the Model S and X that do differ, um, but the average 17-inch touchscreen, if you were to go in out of warranty to have it replaced, would be $2,600. So that would be a very expensive upgrade. And on top of that, you have labor to install it, which he said, um, looking at his uh, software, said was eight tenths of an hour. And in the Midwest, the hourly labor rate at Tesla is $150 per hour. So that would add another $120 to that upgrade. So in the Midwest, if you have a, uh, I I don't know what you call a standard, what what that means exactly, Model S, um, apparently there are some older Model S's um, and X's that had maybe a slightly different um, screen that would cost more, and uh, a very few, um, maybe, he kind of joked and said that Tesla might have like five specific cars out there that, you know, they did something one way and then decided to change it. But those five cars that are out there, you know, may have a, uh, may have something different about the screen. So he said, but however, predominantly it'd be $2,600 and then another 120 for the labor. So we're looking at $2,720 in the Midwest approximately to upgrade the screen. Hope that helps and um, keep up the great work. Really like your show. Take care. Thank you for this, Mike. This definitely helps set expectations if indeed an upgrade becomes possible. I can't remember if I gave a, a guesstimate at the cost of this last week, but that is around what I was thinking. I feel like I said at least $2,000, but anyway. I guess we should brace for a $3,000 upgrade, and if it happens to be a few hundred dollars less than that, so be it. I mean, it's expensive, yes, and some people might not want to spend that, but if you plan on having your car long-term, it might be a worthwhile expense just as a quality-of-life convenience thing. Now, I say that uh, setting up... (laughs) I'm just hoping it happens in the future because 
I did follow up with Tesla PR again, and they, uh, to their credit, they did get back to me this week. And what I was told was that, uh, well, a spokesperson did confirm to me that Tesla does not plan to replace any existing hardware, uh, which jibes with something else I'd been told from another source that there's currently nothing for an upgrade. There is nothing about an upgrade listed in the service center's computer system, meaning it's not a job that's officially doable at the service center. And now Tesla PR, uh, or at least a spokesperson, I should say, confirming to me that Tesla does not plan to replace any existing hardware. So that is really unfortunate news because I, theore- I mean, you would think that, you know, yes, it would take a whole new screen assembly. If you've ever seen pictures of it just without the uh, interior trim on it, you can you kind of know what it looks like, that whole screen assembly. And yeah, it'd be expensive, but uh, boy, the, the new MCUs are, are just so much zippier than, than the old ones. But not great news, but at least I did hear something official on that. Let's move now to Tony in Toronto calling in regarding their uh, EV rebate in Ontario. Tony, take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Tony calling from Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, I just wanted to touch base regarding the Ontario uh, Electric Vehicle Incentive Program for the $14,000 rebate that no longer applies to Tesla, as per one of your listeners on uh, your previous shows was commenting on. Uh, so, yeah, the MSRP is, in, is not inclusive of any additional options and features. So it's basically the base price of the car. So if the Model 3 starts at, let's say, approximately $45,000 Canadian, just as a random rounded figure, um, for the long-range model, uh, or sorry, for the, for the, the short-range model, then uh, any options on top of that, like autopilot or premium package, wouldn't count towards the rebate cost. It's only for the base cost of the car before options. So if they had um, the base cost for the short range of the one price and then the base price of the long range for another price, any options on top of that, like again, autopilot, premium package, full self-driving would be, would not count towards that $75,000 cap. All the dual motor option, however, may count as a, MS, a base MSRP. It really depends on how Tesla registers the vehicle in Canada. If dual motors is an option to the base or if it is a base trim itself uh i hope that helps clear things up uh thank you for the podcast and look forward to hearing more bye-bye thank you so much for that clarification tony and and obviously that is really good news for ontario residents the msrp by that definition then should be under seventy-five thousand canadian even if dual motor is its own trim and counts toward the base price Remember that dual motor shouldn't be more than about $4,000 US, let's call it five to be safe. That means a $49,000 base price. Uh, now, it shouldn't matter if premium package is forced on early Canadian buyers then, because that premium package should still count as an option, uh, not the MSRP, even if it's forced upon those early configurations. So. Yes, it looks like most Model 3 configurations, basically all of them, with the possible exception of performance, should qualify for that very generous tax incentive. And although my friend Trevor Page from Model 3 Owners Club also called in to note this, Trevor also noted that Canada has a big election coming up and that depending on how that goes, politics could affect this one way or the other, this tax incentive. But hopefully it's going to stick around regardless of who's running the Canadian government or the on the uh, provincial government by the end, or maybe the whole thing by the end of this year. Also, uh, word came down this week, uh, while we're on this topic, that the Model 3's official base price is $45,600 Canadian. Though, obviously, you can't buy it at that price for a while yet. So... Big news, big, lots of things happening up in, uh, up in Canada. Good stuff. We move now to Bob from Minnesota, who has a really great story to share that's Model 3 related. So, Bob, why don't you tell that story? Hi, Ryan. Bob here from Minnesota. Um, longtime listener, first-time caller. I'm also a Model S owner and a Model 3 reservation holder. So I just have a quick um, sort of feel-good story for you and your listeners. Um, 
my Model S is from 2013, and so it has a very small battery, and it uh, does not have supercharging activated because back then you had to pay extra to activate supercharging, and uh, mine was never activated. So every time I travel to the airport, there's quite a bit of range anxiety associated with that because if there's not an electric vehicle charging station available, then um, basically I would be stranded. So this nightmare scenario actually occurred yesterday where I arrived at the airport and could not find a charging uh, slot that was open. So instead I parked, you know, sort of uh, adjacent to the, the, the charging area. So my rear bumper was uh, sort of up against the bumper of another Tesla that was charging. And it turned out that that Tesla was in fact a Model 3. Uh, it was the first Model 3 I've ever seen. So it sort of made my day. Uh, it was midnight silver metallic. It was beautiful with 19-inch sport wheels, just kind of exactly the one that I'm waiting for, except that I'm waiting for all-wheel drive. Uh, so then I had an idea, and I decided to leave a note on this Model 3, sort of uh, congratulating this person on their beautiful car and asking uh hey, would you mind plugging in my Model S when you leave? And sure enough, uh, six hours later, I got a text message from Bruce who had uh, plugged in my, my Model S, and uh, I checked the Tesla app, and it was charging, and he really saved uh, the day for me. So I just thought it was kind of a cool story, uh, you know, pointing out how... Uh, we have such a great uh, community of Tesla owners and uh, we can take care of each other. So Bruce, if you're out there, uh, thanks so much. You really, uh, you really made my day in a couple of ways and, uh, and now I'm going to be able to make it home. So that's all. Keep up the good work, Ryan. Really appreciate you, your hard work on the podcast. This is what Tesla ownership is all about, Bob. Thank you for calling in and sharing this story. And the good news is that Bruce is hearing this because he's a listener of this podcast. He and I have talked on Twitter a number of times, and Bruce does in fact have a Midnight Silver Model 3 with 19-inch sport wheels. And just to be sure, I messaged him on Twitter, and he confirmed that it in fact was him. So uh, hats off to you, Bruce, and thank you, Bob, for sharing this excellent story. And the lesson is... You know, spread that positivity, particularly here in the Tesla community. Every one of us should do the same for each other if we're ever in that situation. So tip of the hat to both of you there. I love that story. Next up, Jason from Newport Beach wants to talk tire wear. So Jason, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Jason from Newport Beach calling. Hey, I listened with great interest to the tire life discussion in last week's episode. Uh, amongst the all-wheel drive Model S's, Phoenix, uh, and San Francisco comparison. Uh, although it's maybe not relevant now, my Model 70S 2015, the so single motor, uh, on the original Michelin, I got 52,000 miles of tire life. Uh, and I think it really is because uh, of the type of driving that one does. I commute between Orange County and L.A. every day, 100 miles round trip, but it's all freeway, all on autopilot. Uh, not much uh, hard braking or much hard acceleration. And so I think the style of driving has a ton to do uh, with the tire life, not as much uh, whether the car is all-wheel drive, dual motor, or not. Uh, I'd be curious to see what, uh, what you think, although this may be an academic question because uh, they no longer make uh, 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 you know, single-motor cars in the Model S and, and Model X, of course. Thanks again for a great podcast, Ryan. Appreciate everything you do. Thanks for calling in, Jason. I think it's still very relevant because it's going to be of interest for Model 3 reservation holders as the Model 3 is very, very likely to be offered in both rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive configurations for the foreseeable future. Anyway, I'm stoked to hear that you got such amazing mileage out of your tires, and you're right. 
that style of driving definitely affects it, but your car has to have 19 inch wheels and tires to get that kind of mileage, right? I, I, you didn't say on your call and I figure that's gotta be the case. I mean, I did specify last week that I was comparing 21s to 21s and I know that's not necessarily the most useful comparison for people because not a ton of people necessarily opt for the 21s on a Model S, but it was the only data that I had available to me that was fairly apples to apples uh, and that that's you know that's was two people in my life that are fairly close to me with with 21 inch wheel Model S's that I could go to to, to talk to about that. It's going to be very interesting to see how the tire life varies with the Model 3 in all comparisons. 18 versus 19 in rear wheel drive, rear wheel 19 versus all wheel 19, all wheel 18 versus all wheel 19. You throw uh, the 20s into that mix as well. So uh, a lot of interesting information yet to be learned about Model 3 here as time goes on. It'll be, it'll be great to start documenting all this stuff and, and getting information out to people. Next up, Jordan from up in the Yukon in Canada uh, wants to talk about, well, Tesla ownership in Yukon, in the Yukon. Jordan, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Jordan from Whitehorse, Yukon, Canada, and I have a bit of a strange one. Uh, I'm a day one stand-in-line reservation holder back in March uh, there in I stood in line Vancouver. I now live up in the Yukon, which for you American listeners is beside Alaska in the cold, dark north. And I want your opinion of how feasible it is for me to accept the car up here. There are no superchargers. The nearest service station, I think, was supposed to be in Anchorage, but I don't see that on the website anymore, which is about 12 hours away. And the only saving grace is Elon Musk's tweet from, a, I think it was about a couple of years ago, a year at least, saying that the supercharging network will get expanded to Alaska. I want the car so badly, but at this point, I'm about to give up hope until I can get moved down north or move down south again. Okay, I really appreciate it. And I love the show. First time caller. I've been listening since day one. Thanks, Ryan. Great to hear from you, Jordan. I have to be honest. I don't know what to tell you here. You could still own the car and drive it and charge it and enjoy it and get over-the-air software updates. No superchargers isn't necessarily the end of the world unless you need to drive long distances a lot. But service is the problem, as you noted. I mean, if you have a problem, you'd be kind of out of luck, maybe. I, I, mean, I suppose you could get Ranger service, Tesla Ranger service, where Tesla would actually send a technician to you. But even if they did come to you, I have no idea what those costs would be. Rangers used to charge a dollar a mile to get to you, but that was back in the Roadster days. That was a while ago. Even if that were still the case, that could be cost prohibitive for you in your geographic situation. So what I would advise you to do, I don't, I don't want to just play your call and have nothing constructive to tell you. I would drop Tesla's customer service a line. Send them an email, ask them about it, and just see what they say. You can email them at servicehelpna, as in North America, servicehelpna at tesla.com. And Jordan, I wish you good luck. I hope you can get that car and enjoy it. Few more calls here, four of them, in fact. Let's go to Jerome in Northern California, frequent caller. He uh, wanted to call in again in regards to autopilot and a conversation he had. And, and uh, well, I'll let him talk about it. Jerome, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Jerome up in Northern California, about two and a half hours north of you. And I was just listening to your podcast with South by Southwest Elon Musk um, while channeling Kanye West. And he made the comment about the autopilot driving functionality being safer within 18 months. And I, it made me think of a gentleman who I uh, met down in Lompoc for one of the SpaceX launches. And he had a Model X, and he's an engineer at one of the big companies in Silicon Valley. And his comment and takeaway point that I still think about to this day, it's only been about two months since I saw him, uh, was that the way that the autopilot on his Model X has just revolutionized the way he commutes to and from work. He said, and he and he was absolutely convinced in 
his enthusiasm when telling me this, that it's completely changed the way that he deals with stress to and from work. His whole commute is a very, very different thing for him because the car just takes care of all of the minutia and stress of being in, in traffic. And you've commented in the past about how the Bay Area has just horrific traffic. And I'm born and raised in the Bay Area, and I can tell you that right now it's it's something to be involved in, in some of that commute. I'm glad I don't do it anymore. Uh, I did it for 25 years, and that's enough. But the gentleman who was telling me about this just looked at me and said, when he gets home, he's just a very different person. He's not stressed. He's not um, you know, worried about you know having to get up and do the drive the next day. He says the car has just completely changed his his life. And I think that that was a very potent takeaway that made me, again, think about it at some level when uh, I just listened to Elon say 18 months and uh, it'll be that much safer for humans. I think we all would benefit the sooner that that functionality and technology is implemented and more and more people are going to really, I think, be blown away by how well uh, cars are going to be able to handle all of that commute bumper to bumper BS that we all deal with from time to time. Great show. Talk to you later. You bring up an interesting point, Jerome. Not that the reduced stress angle of autopilot hasn't been noted before, but it is a secondary point, and maybe it should be discussed more often. The goal of autopilot and self-driving, which of course autopilot is a step towards, is safety. As you heard Elon say, at South by Southwest, and many times before that, having the cars drive twice as safe themselves than if a human was driving. That is, that is the goal. That's part of the safety goal. And that's obviously a noble goal that is going to save lives. But the fact that Autopilot also has the capability to improve the quality of life for its users is a benefit that really shouldn't be overlooked. I tell people a lot when I talk about cars, that I love to drive, but I hate to commute. Because there is a big difference between the two of those, in my opinion. My dream is for one day, my Model 3 to handle the commute and leave the driving, the weekends, the not going to or from work trips, to me. So... Uh, We'll see how long it takes to realize that version of the future. Excellent call, Jerome. Thank you so much. Let's go now to my old stomping grounds of Arizona, where I still have plenty of family. Chris in Arizona reacts to the still, still fresh in the minds of a lot of us Model 3 delay. Chris, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Chris in Arizona, and I wanted to give you my... um reaction to the delay so it was about uh, a few weeks ago obviously um we heard that it was going to be delayed again and as you mentioned in your last podcast at the time a friend of mine um also had his lease run out so he had to make a decision and he went out and bought himself a cpo model s um with autopilot because 2014s now late 2014s and 2015s have ap1 and they're available so it got me to thinking, and actually, after sitting in the Model Three, and then going across the, you know, uh, store into the Model S, I just fell in love with that Model S again. Um, and I might be, you know, different than others. I I really like the two screens. I like having air suspension. I like the size of the Model S. Anyway, so I started talking to a sales advisor with Tesla. Sent me a ton of cars. I finally narrowed it down to what I wanted exactly, and I um. Moved my little $1,000 deposit on the three right over to a CPO P85 2014 with autopilot, pearl white. And I was going to wait to call you until I had it in my hands. It's going to be here Friday, Tesla time, hopefully Friday uh, this week. So um, I can't wait to join the Tesla family. I'm so excited. The price uh, I got, and I think the prices have gone up quite a bit since then, um, it was just about the same price as it would be for a new Model 3 uh, with everything on it. So I am, and I've got everything conceivably on my Model S uh, P85. So can't wait to see it, can't wait to drive it, can't wait to be a Tesla owner. Um, and I'm so happy I have free supercharging. So, all right, thanks. Talk to you soon. 
Congratulations, Chris, that's awesome news. And remember that Tesla is more than happy to have this happen. They have that good problem of having so many people on the Model 3 waiting list, so if they can convert folks into Model S owners now, they're happy to do that. I'm glad to hear that you got a deal that you were happy with and you've got a nice, solid Autopilot One system to help ease your commute. Enjoy the car in good health, Chris, and thank you for calling in. Last two calls here. Let's first go to Aaron in Connecticut, who has a theory about the Model Y and the Tesla Semi. So Aaron, go ahead. Thanks, Ryan. Aaron from Connecticut. I want to talk Model Y and Tesla Semi production. I think the path forward for Tesla is pretty clear. I think they're going to bring production into the Gigafactory. Of course, it was originally just intended for batteries, but they've already brought drivetrain production into the Gigafactory. And I think that uh, it's going to be the fastest way for them to bring these additional products into market, especially since the Chinese plant seems to be a bit waylaid. Thanks for a great show. Looking forward to hearing what you think. Yeah, you're probably right, Aaron. It does make a ton of sense. As you noted, Model 3 drivetrain production is already happening there at the Gigafactory, and those same drivetrains are going to go in the Model Y and the Semi, and the facility is so enormous that there should be plenty of room to accommodate both of those vehicles. And I can't imagine Nevada would be upset by the news that more jobs would be created in their state by Tesla. So, heck, you know, they might even throw a few additional incentives Tesla's way in order to make it happen. The semi is due up first, production-wise, so we will see what happens in about a year or so. Thanks for calling in, Aaron. And time to take us home. It's going to be Mark from Rally, who uh, has a sort of a little, I guess, etiquette call here, an etiquette question slash situation that he ran into. So, Mark, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. Mark from Raleigh, longtime listener, uh, first-time voicemail lever. Um, wanted to share a um, first-generation AP uh, social faux pas and then ask a question on AP1 to AP2.5 upgrade. Um, getting ready for a bike ride, and a Model X pulled in with a real solid trail bike and wanted to watch the Falcon Wing doors um, go up. So was, we were talking remembered that there was just a really good um, autopilot update. So I was asking if he got that yet. Failed to notice on his B-pillar that it was a first-generation car and, you know, kind of felt bad. You know, here I was, you know, admiring what an awesome vehicle, and, you know, he was certainly enjoying it. But then, you know, that nuance of uh, first-generation. So that's just something to, I wanted to, you know, see if you could share with your listeners to watch for that. Uh, so my question is, how does Tesla handle a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-year-old um, SRX that doesn't have uh, the new hardware towards the trade-in and upgrade to the newer generation cars? Uh, thanks for the show. Thoroughly love it. And uh, again, hope um, performance and dual motor come out uh, for you and everybody soon. Thanks. And White. Mark, thank you for the kind words. You know, you made an innocent mistake on the autopilot comment. I'd hesitate, in fact, to even call it a mistake. Maybe the lightest of faux pas, I suppose. I can't imagine the Model X owner was offended in any way by that, but yeah, I suppose if that happens to any of us in the future, you can check for the B-pillar cameras that Mark mentioned uh, and or the cameras in the front side fenders. The pre-autopilot, the, the, the autopilot one cars have just the silver side turn signal there with the Tesla T logo on it. Uh, that's how you can tell a quick difference. There's no camera there. As for your second question, Mark, I confess I'm not quite sure how to answer it. I imagine the trade-in values have taken a hit on those cars, not just due to age, but due to the autopilot hardware upgrade. But it does retain the Autopilot 1 functionality when it's sold to the next owner as a CPO, Certified Pre-Owned Car. So I hope that helps in some small way, at least. Thanks again, everybody, for a wonderful batch of calls on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, I encourage you to participate. I love hearing from folks. You can record a question, comment, discussion topic on your smartphone. 
uh, using the phone's built-in voice recorder and just email that file to me. You can send that to teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline, which is toll-free. That number is 1-888-989-8752. I'll be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. If you happen to be buying a Model S or Model X new from Tesla, be sure to use my cousin Pat's referral code. That will get you free unlimited lifetime supercharging. Just give your sales advisor the code PATRICK5008. Or if you're just configuring and buying online, type in this in your browser, ts.la slash PATRICK5008. Now, if you're after you order the car and you pick it up, you may want to consider protecting that paint finish, that beautiful paint, whichever color you choose from Tesla's, uh, what, six color choices, I believe, off the top of my head, if memory serves. If you're in the Bay Area or picking your car up from Fremont, you should look up Immaculate Reflections. They are the Bay Area's premier paint correction and coating specialist. Keep that paint looking good for the long term. They'll do just about anything you want, whether it's one little thing, just Maybe uh, the C-Quartz finest ceramic coating, make the car a little shinier, a little easier to wash. Or you want to go all out with some paint protection film, new car delivery prep, the whole nine yards. They're in Brentwood, California. You can find them online at irdetailing.com. Also on Yelp and Instagram uh, at the, at the you know, yelp.com or, or instagram.com slash immaculate underscore reflections. I want to thank the very kind folks that are supporting me at the $20 level or higher on Patreon. They are the Patreon producers. Thanks so much to Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, John Lasher, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, and Luke A. If you're wondering what the heck the Patreon thing is all about, it is a way that you can uh, choose to support my efforts with the podcast if you see fit purely a voluntary thing if you want to support what I'm doing here. Head on over for more information to my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. As for my friends at abstractocean.com, they have got a great selection of Tesla accessories. I would say they sort of specialize, if they specialize in one thing, it's lighting kits. Uh, internal lighting, external lighting, the puddle lights are the thing you've heard me talk about if you listen this far to the show. The uh, They'll shine a logo down of your choice, the Tesla T logo, S logo, X logo, 3 logo, down onto the ground from there's a there's a light mounted in the bottom of your door. So when you open the door, it, it shines that light down so you can kind of see, see what you're stepping out into when you get out of your car. Anyway, uh, go to abstractocean.com, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. Most of you listen to the show uh, via one of the major podcast services, but just a reminder, no matter how you're listening, if you're not subscribing to the podcast, that of course is totally free, I encourage you to do it because then you don't have to seek it out. Every, uh, every time you want to download it, it just auto-downloads to you. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or uh, you can get the goods over on the podcast hosting site, teslapodcast.libsyn.com, where there are all the individual episodes, and you can uh, grab the RSS feed there as well. So again, oh boy, coming up to the end of March, Q1 about to close. Looks like from the VIN numbers that are registered that Tesla is accelerating production. Going to be very curious to see what Tesla says 
in, uh, you know what, it's not going to be in time for next week's show. Is meh, probably not to see if they, you know, they'll, they'll give a, a statement at the end of the quarter about deliveries and, and where production stands. So stay tuned for that on the show very soon. But things are, are looking good, that looking, uh, looking up as far as Model 3 production goes. So more and more of us, a bunch of invites went out this week. Canadian invites, the first round of those went out this week. I should have mentioned that back when I was talking uh, Canada stuff earlier on in the podcast. But congratulations to that first wave of Canadian owners, Canadian Model 3 reservation holders who've been invited to configure. That is fantastic. Just, uh, yeah, it's, it's all happening, friends. Little by little, week by week, we're all getting there, getting closer to our goals of owning that car. So uh, for a very sleepy Daisy the Boxer Puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Thanks, as always, for trusting me with about, uh, like I said, about an hour or so is, I think, what this episode's going to turn out to be of your time just about each and every week. It's, it's in about an hour now. So thank you all so much. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your support. And I'll see you back, of course, as always, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, or if you happen to be on Patreon with me at the $5 level or higher, you can get access to the show a little bit earlier right after I record it. Anyway, see you folks next week. Happy electric motoring.